What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of SDGC After Hours. It has been a busy week for the Next Gen crew. Here I am sitting down. I am Zach. I am joined by Justin. Justin, how are you? I'm good. Uh, yeah, I love how I made a joke when we were recording Monday night that uh, Jim Ryan and Mark Cerny wouldn't return my calls. And then Tuesday morning, I wake up, and there was an announcement that they were going to be going over PS5 stuff this morning. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, uh, so I think they, they just did it. I think they just did it to make me look bad. <laughs> I, I think that's I think that's probably true. They they had enough of you talking shit. They had enough of your doubts. But also, it's not just Justin and I. We're also joined once again by Windows Central Sam Tolbert. Sam, thank you so much for being with us, buddy. Absolutely, guys. It's always a pleasure to be here. I wasn't expecting to be here quite so fast. But uh, here we are, guys. So, uh, yeah, we're. It, it's been a busy week. It, it's only been a week. That's the crazy thing, Zach. It's it's just a week. It's been it, it's, it's been two forty eight hours. <laughs> Imagine what next week will bring, and the week after that, oh, and the God. week after that. I think I'm good. I think I'm good. Okay, so so for the for the top level for people who missed today's announcements, Sony came out. They said yesterday that they were going to be doing a presentation today on the road to PS5, and today they kind of laid out just that. Um, basically, the presentation they had today was picking up from GDC, which was canceled this year, obviously, due to uh, COVID-19, um, and they had a 52-minute talk on, basically, the dev-level, dev-optics, dev-facing presentation. Um, and so to a lot of us, it was a little bit dry, but there's actually a ton of really good information in there about what we can expect from PS5 uh, when it launches later this year, which is something they uh, kind of surprisingly reiterated this year. No delays yet. Um, but yeah, so the whole thing is they gave us their specs up front, which was great. Justin, can you kind of walk us through um, what we're working with here on the PS5? Oh, uh, yes. So um, the I'm just going to go over the, the broad specs first and then... There's a little bit of weirdness that I'm going to touch on with the CPU and GPU. Um, I'm going to skip over the SSD for now because I think we're going to talk about that more specifically in depth when we get to that because that was actually a major part of the presentation. But um, kind of the rest of the specs are uh, CPU is an uh, 8 Zen 2 cores at 3.5 gigahertz, um, which is a very nice um, spec. Uh, GPU is 10.28 teraflops which is actually in a configuration I was not expecting. It is uh, 36 compute units um, clocked at 2.23 gigahertz. Um, that is not an approach that's usually used for consoles. Um, it, it's kind of what is known in, the, uh, in tech circles as uh, narrow and fast. And that's usually what they avoid for consoles because it has high power cost, high heat cost. That clock speed is ridiculous. <laughs> Um, like the overall teraflop rating, um, isn't super high, although it is about in line kind of with what I was expecting. Um, like I mentioned on Monday, Microsoft went above, has gone above and beyond, uh, what a lot of people were expecting with, um, the, the final teraflop count. Uh, this is about in line, uh, with what, you know, I think people were reasonably expecting, except just not in this configuration. I haven't even heard of a PC GPU that runs at clock speeds like that. Um, it is it is very very high. But um, Justin, I, I I have to ask this in layman's term: when we're talking about high clock speed, is this is this going to translate into you know the PS4 is a very loud console, a notoriously loud console? Uh, are we going to be expecting more of that going to next gen based on what we're seeing so far? Uh, so Mark Cerny actually straight up said, um, and he was talking about the PS4 Pro and the PS4 that hey, we didn't really get it right when it comes to the acoustic profile and the cooling of those systems. And so there is a bit of variability in these clock speeds, um, although it's different from how PCs usually do it, where PCs usually adjust clock speeds based off of, you know, the thermal, the thermals of the room, how hot, you know, the space is, whereas this is based off of um, power. So it's supposed to be more easily rep uh, replicable for developers and across consoles so that people can rely on the clock speeds he said most of the time it should run at these max clocks um and estimates that if it does have to get reduced just a like he said just a like 
a couple percent reduction in clock speed can be like 10% drop in um, power draw. And it'll also prioritize like GPU over CPU. Um, it's, it's a pretty complex situation. If it works as advertised, it should be nice. Um, they didn't give too many specifics about the cooling system. They said they would show us that when the time for like the system teardown comes. But it sounds like they've taken cooling and the acoustic profile much, much more seriously this time around. I mean, I think that's that's pretty evident, right? Even before this, several weeks ago, we heard from Bloomberg that actually the cooling solution for the PS5 was one of the driving costs for uh, Sony struggling to keep the price down. Isn't that right? Uh, yeah. And also in that, it said like they were spending like less than a dollar on cooling for the current PS4. It showed. Which, it really, really showed. Yeah, which I believe. <laughs> um, so yeah, that should at least be a significant improvement. Um just kind of the other uh, specs real quick. Um, uh, it has 16 gigabytes of GDDR6, all running at 448 uh, gigabits per second. Um, uh, it's all co- that consistent speed. It's not um, two different speeds like on the Series X. Uh, it does have an expandable NVMe SSD slot. We'll talk about that more <laughs> when we talk about the SSD because that... On the one hand, it's nice that we'll be able to buy our own drives, but on the other, it's there's some weirdness um, because of how high-end the SSD in the PS5 is going to be. Um, and it has a 4K Blu-ray drive, and it does... You are able to play uh, backwards-compatible PS4 games um, off of... An is it ext- all of them? An ex- well... We'll talk we'll about that. It. But, I'm um, sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. If you just hook up like a USB external hard drive, you'll be able to play them. That's similar to the approach that Xbox is doing um, for that. So yeah, that that's gotcha. just some of the high level specs. So so on paper, we're looking at uh, GPU and CPU speaking. On paper, weaker than the Xbox Series X. Um, but really, Justin, we're going to get into this where the PS5 really pulls its weight and looks a little bit more impressive than the Xbox Series X. Is that SSD? Is that right? Yeah, so this was a significant percentage of uh, today's presentation from Mark Cerny. Uh, the um, the <laughs> IO throughput, which is the speed of the SSD, was is 5.5 gigabits per second raw, 8 to 9 with compressed data. That is ridiculous. <laughs> um, there are... That like that is comparable to top end like brand new server SSDs right now, um, and it has a ton of coprocessors and things in order to facilitate this for developers. Um, this is huge. Um, I we talked a little bit the other day about how it's not just load times; it's also going to be data streaming. Um, Mark Cerny talked about how. Basically, like, with culling on the PS5, you could basically do almost all the data when a character turns around for textures. Um, And he said you could load a gigabyte of data into RAM in a quarter of a second, meaning they can fully fill the RAM in two seconds, which is outrageously fast. Can you and Sam give me like a TLDR about what that actually means in practical times? Obviously, like like that sounds really fast, but what does it look like to a gamer? Sam, can you kind of articulate that? If to a gamer, that doesn't. How do I put this? That means you're not just reducing load times heavily; you're borderline eliminating them, depending on the game. Gotcha. It, it's not just a impressive case of oh, this game goes from loading in fifty seconds to, you know five seconds or four seconds it's a case of we need to build this game around not having load screens because load screens would be a waste of time to build that's the the kind of thing in theory anyways that's yeah it would have to to be designed around that and if it's a multi-plat game there's other variables and there's a lot of different variables here but in theory it is a very exciting advancement in theory we shouldn't see more than two second load times basically (laughs) If we if we have a game that takes like two to three seconds or well over two to three seconds to load on the PS5, I'd say that something has even gone wrong. Actually, yeah, Um, it's just 
extraordinarily fast. And like in the um, Digital Foundry article, um, they actually like Mark Cerny actually mentioned that they had to make transition in some of the experiments they were doing with like fast travel with like Spider Man and things like that they actually had to make some of the transitions look longer because it felt too unnaturally fast <laughs> moving between uh points which uh there are definitely worse problems to have yeah right? i mean yeah. that's that's yeah i mean that's that's pretty wild but also so i feel like i feel like you know we're gonna get into to more comparisons between the series x later on but easily the ssd uh is the biggest difference between the two platforms right Yes, um, like just going on paper, the PS5 SSD is double over double the speed of the Xbox Series X SSD, which is pretty wild considering you know the other day uh, we Microsoft's one of their big hallmark things they showed with the Series X, which we covered in a podcast that we released earlier this week. If you haven't checked it out, please feel free to do so. Uh, was basically that they were showing that you could jump back and forth between various games on xbox and load them up uh in like five seconds and all of them would be running concurrently and they would be all on the same you know uh, uh suspend resume features which means like to you guys does that mean you know if a game loads at eight seconds on on xbox we should see around four seconds on ps4 or is it going to be more substantial than that it could be a little more substantial than that but i think for multi-platform games that would be a good way of putting it okay yeah. justin is that your take too i think the difference is more so, like, I mean, doubling load times when you go from four down to two seconds isn't exactly going to be... Like, yes, it is twice as fast. Practically, it's not that big of a difference. Um, but I think for, like, in-game data streaming and pop-in and stuff, that's kind of where we might see more of dif more differences kind of start to show up. Um, granted, I don't think that'll be until, like, the cross-gen period is over. I think both of the SSDs in both consoles are more than fast enough to handle the data that, like, cross-gen games are going to be posting. Um, but, you know, once we move into that all-next-gen um, all development, I think we might start to see some differences uh, in streaming and data loading start to show up. Nothing huge. Um, it's not like the Xbox Series X is going to hold anything back on this front. Right. Um, I mean, that's something important to keep in mind here is this, when we say this about the PS5, keep in mind, the Series X already is using custom SSD tech that is super expensive. So just to put and things the series, in comparison here. Yeah. And the one for Series X is actually faster than I expected as well. Um, 2.4 like, gigabyte uh, gigabits per second, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, 2.4 with raw data, 4.8 compressed. Right. Um, so, yeah, like, when you put it like that, like, the PS5 can handle raw data faster than the Series X can handle compressed data. Uh, which, like, it, it this SSD is seriously, seriously impressive. Um, I really wish they had shown, like, at least yeah. some tech demos or a couple games. Like, we have off-screen footage of the Spider-Man demo that they said was from a low-speed dev kit. If they had shown us, like, the version of it running on this more final hardware, I think that would have gone a long way because I think a lot of people aren't... Like, I know a lot of people that are developers and are knowledgeable about um, programming and things like that are very excited about the SSDs and were really impressed by what uh, Mark Cerny said today. But I think it's going to be, it's really hard to talk about to a general audience without them seeing it. Yeah, I mean, I think to me the SSD is the most revolutionary part of the PS5. It's also the hardest thing to market to consumers, but easily one of the things that, like, even, even looking at the Series X, easily one of the most developer-friendly additions they've made to any console next gen. Mm -hmm. Is that a sound about right to you guys? Yeah. So the back half of Sony's presentation today was all about audio, uh, which made for a pretty dry second half. Can you boys boil that down for me? Sam, I, I think you had a little bit of information on this, right? A little bit. This one is complicated, to say, uh, to say the absolute least, but I'm going to try my best here. They're calling it the Tempest Engine. And Digital Foundry, in their excellent write-up, which I recommend checking out, has said this is extremely hardcore. Mark Cerny wants vivid sound. He wants incredible 3D audio, 
And he doesn't just want incredible 3D audio, he wants custom 3D audio that takes the shape of your ears and the size of your head into consideration to give you the best audio possible. And the Tempest engine is a piece of hardware in the PS5. It's essentially a single compute unit. It's just a single stripped down uh, CU, just like in the GPU, that is dedicated to doing this. And what this does is it's designed to build algorithms that calculate the best sound. But the thing is, and this is where it really gets complicated, Surdy emphasized that this is a learning process, that they're not actually done. When the PS5 ships, it's only going to ship with a small handful of modes that you can swap it between to give you, oh, like, this is the best audio, the best 3D audio for you right now, and that they're going to learn. And, uh, and people are already making memes of this, because of course they are, but he even suggested that they'll be asking people to send in pictures of their ears to build the neural net up to make 3D models. We'll see how this goes over the next few years. Uh, one last little interesting thing is that he did note developers would be able to include the option of swapping 3D audio off and going with other forms of audio. So if you don't want to support this, you're not required to. Again, very experimental, very forward-thinking. I would caution against hoping for anything really to come of this until a few years down the road. I mean, I, st gotcha. I still think it's going to be cool. Like, he did reference, um, like, the PSVR audio thing, which, like, that's the main reason that there's that breakout box for PSVR is specifically for audio processing. Um, huh. And he said, uh, as baseline, it can support quite a bit more um, audio sources than the PSVR uh, breakout box, which is great because I like I have PSVR, um, and I've been really impressed with the sound in some games. So, like bringing that to you know non VR games is going to be really cool. Um, but yeah, th this was this was a part of the presentation that I got the high level of what they were doing, but a lot of it went over my head. <laughs> One cool thing though is. Um, it seems like they're trying to tune this to work with any type of speakers that you use, which like that's kind of been the um, with 3D audio currently, it's almost all exclusively um, for headphone users. And he did say that headphones are still the gold standard, which makes sense. But um, they're trying to get it to even work with um, TV speakers and various surround sound setups, <laughs> which that's really cool. Um, and other uh, departments in Sony have actually demonstrated uh, technology like that at CES, um, and it works surprisingly well. Um, although we haven't seen it with TV speakers yet. Um, I'm skeptical. Yeah, that, that's the one. I'm skeptical one part that, that part will work well. Yeah, that's the one thing that I immediately scoffed at when they're talking about making TV speakers sound good. Of people <laughs> who don't have a TV that's from the last five years, that is the one thing, as TV picture keeps getting better and better. Uh, more TV manufacturers are basically assuming you're going to have a third-party surround sound system or, or speaker system uh, solution. And so TV speakers are basically notably bad these days. So when he was talking about it, I was like, all right, well, my no-base TV audio is uh, <laughs> it's really not going to get much utilization here. But, my, I mean, there's still a lot of cool concepts here, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think it's really neat. And also just from a developer perspective, um, he did mention that, you know, audio kind of got thrown <laughs> thrown by the wayside on the Jaguar cores. Um, this does free up some CPU time, which is great. Um, yeah. So that, that's another nice customization that'll help performance as well as immersiveness, which is cool. Um, but kind of right now, all I can say is the theory behind it is cool. I have to try it in person to really... It, 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 I'm optimistic, but I'm filing it strictly under I'll believe this when I see it territory. Or, yeah. or rather even... I'll believe it when I hear it. <laughs> yeah. So before we move on to backwards compatibility, Sam, I want to get your perspective really quick. 3D audio is obviously a big deal, and it's clear that Sony is dedicated to finding ways to innovate in this space. But Microsoft has been doing a little bit of stuff in 3D audio this gen, right? How does what Cerny was talking about stack up against some of the, you know, Adobe Atmos, Do uh, Windows Sonic uh, solutions that we've already been seeing the last couple of years. I think I think it's difficult to compare them, but I think it comes down to ambitious but far out versus restrained but practical. 
in terms of comparing Sony's approach to Microsoft's approach. What Microsoft has right now with Windows Sonic, and more importantly, in my opinion, uh, with Dolby Atmos, may not go quite near as far as what Sony's talking about, but it's here right now. Games use it right now, and they sound great, even on basic headphones right now. Uh, tons of games use it. The Tomb Raider games, uh, Halo, uh, I think Halo Wars 2 uses it, Gears 5, Gears of War 4, Final Fantasy 15, there's a few others. They all specifically are built to take advantage of Dolby Atmos, and it works fantastic. So, I think it's difficult to compare, because what Cerny's talking about, it still seems years it's out. Future-proofing, it, it, right? It's future-proofing, Yeah, it's not just future-proofing, it sounds like it's tech that's not here yet. Whereas Microsoft's approach may not be quite as incredible, but it is usable right now. And especially like we've talked about, you know, the Series X having a dedicated audio chip to offload some of those CPU processes and stuff like that. It sounds like they're going to have, at least at launch, similar audio ground, if that makes any sense gotcha. at all. Gotcha. Justin, do you have anything else to add before we move on to back, Pat? Um, just one thing that we forgot to mention when talking about the SSDs, um, because I think this is another uh, thing that we'll want to talk about we'll want to kind of focus on a little bit is um the expandability of the ssd um mm. because i think we want i think there's a lot to say about bc and i i just kind of want to move i want to talk about this while we're still on hardware right um totally so we will be able to purchase our own uh nvme m2 drives and put them in the ps5 however it's going to be kind of do at your own risk for a while until there are SSDs that are fast enough because um, and also will fit in the PS5 bays. Um, Cerny mentioned that they are going to, Sony is going to be testing um, basically a lot of SSDs and they will have a list of so of like specifically Sony certified SSDs to uh, that will work with the PS5, which is great. Um, however, at launch, there's a very good chance that there might not even be ones that are available <laughs> that are fast enough, or they'll be super expensive. Um, now, over time, that that'll go down. Uh, like, uh, there's actually uh, apparently like a new NVMe standard coming, rumored to be next year. So, you know, basically by then, prices might come down quite a bit. Um, however, for like this, I think probably the first year of the PS5, the expandable storage situation is going to be strange. Yeah, it, it's going to be a little rough for the first year. We're looking at a very real possibility of you not actually being able to expand at launch. Or if you do, it'll be very much a wild west. Well, something could go horribly wrong if you do so. It, it's not an approach I expected. If I'm being perfectly honest, I thought Sony would be going the same route Microsoft is because developers need to depend on having that kind of SSD. And they still will be able to, but it's a little more loosey-goosey here. Well, hang on. So do we Do we already... I think you mentioned it earlier from the top, Justin, but uh, I think it's worth reiterating. Sony's SSD that, that will ship with the console later this year is, what, 825 gigs? Is that right? Yes. Um, it's, it's a strange configuration, specifically because of how it attaches... In, in the console. Um, and like Cerny also said that it was, that de that decision was to keep costs down. He specifically said, you know, we wanted to put in more, but I think his exact words were, we have a responsibility to keep things affordable for our players or something like that. A AKA, um, uh, guys, this thing is expensive enough as is. Please work with us here. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. So, so like that, that was kind of a, funny that was kind of a funny statement to actually admit especially in this kind of presentation which is very just tech focused um, right but yeah so like i mean it's not a huge difference from one terabyte however it is less it's probably going to be a game or two less I mean, it's, it's yeah i mean it's, it's it essentially stacks up to like what like 25 percent less because a terabyte is uh 1048 gigs is that about right i'm trying to think yeah and then there's also whatever the os takes up and eats up which is always which is always several gigs yeah, yeah. i mean yeah it's it's like 20 percent or less um wait so so really quick one of the things that microsoft said in their thing was that um you're going to need either the ssd that's built into the xbox or uh one of their little memory cards or a hard drive but to play new games you just, you just transfer stuff from the hard drive to the ssd 
if new drives for the uh, PlayStation 5 aren't going to be ready until early next year or they'll be prohibitively expensive, can people keep using those hard drives that they might have from this generation and keep playing games? Or is it going to be a similar configuration to Microsoft? Do we it's, know yet? It sounds like only for PS4 games. Which is similar to what Microsoft said. Yeah. In terms of you can okay. play your old games on this, but you're not going to get the speed benefits because USB transfer gotcha. speeds just can't be overcome. So similar solution to Microsoft. In that, yeah, yeah for, for old games, yes. But gotcha. they all, he also did say you could move it to the SSD and then get added loading benefits. Some Some boost stuff, yeah. right. So very, uh, that's pretty similar to Microsoft's plan. Yeah. Okay, so are, are we ready to move on to um, backwards compatibility, boys? We are. Yes. Okay, so backwards compatibility. Um, here's Sony, you know, for throughout the PS4 generation, Sony has kind of lagged behind Microsoft uh, in this regard. Microsoft, of course, brought backwards compatibility to Xbox One in 2015, uh, through a surprise announcement, after both Sony and Microsoft said they wouldn't be able to do it this gen, Microsoft found a software solution. It seems that Sony has been working with AMD uh, all all the last few years to kind of make this a reality. And it sounds like they have a solution. Sam, can you kind of walk us through what they've got up, uh, what plans they have, and how that stacks up against how Microsoft presented backwards compatibility a few years ago and also Microsoft's plan going forward. How do these things stack up? Right, so the nutshell version is this is a hardware-based backwards compatibility plan versus Microsoft's software-based backwards compatibility plan. They're two completely different approaches, and Microsoft's approach was really decided back in 2015 when they started to make 360 games slowly backwards compatible, and then they added more over time. Sony, on the other hand, has gone for full hardware backward compatibility. Uh, if you saw the infamous GitHub leak that people talk about on Twitter, you're going to be familiar with this next portion of the talk, because what the PlayStation 5 does is it actually matches its hardware into different profiles, so to speak, to match the uh, PlayStation 4 Pro or just the base PlayStation 4 in terms of frequency and active uh, active CUs. And as a result, it's then able to emulate the state and say, oh, okay, we're playing this game, it's playing at this frequency, this many cores, etc., etc., good to go. Instead of Microsoft's approach, which is a software-based version that essentially tricks the machine, at least for 360 games, into thinking it's actually playing on native hardware when it isn't and it's able to take advantage of the new hardware resources um do you, do you want gotcha. me to break it down a little further than that or i think that's no a i actually i actually think i want a more top level view and maybe justin you can give this to me what does this mean you know obviously there's a difference between hardware and software uh, uh approaches to backwards compatibility what does this mean for consumers does this mean that we're going to be seeing all ps4 games playable on ps5 is it only some and then what benefits might we see along with that so it's kind of confusing right now. Uh, they really need to clarify the messaging because in the in the presentation today, uh, you know, Mark Cerny was talking about how there are different profiles, but he was also talking about boost, like a boost mode. And he said they've tested like the top hundred uh, played most played games on PS4 and said that almost all of them are going to work right away. However, it's not clear if that meant with the boost mode or in the compatibility modes. He talked about how there's a PS4 Pro compatibility mode and a PS4 compatibility mode. So it's not that clear. Um, the PlayStation blog does have a statement saying uh, they're going to be adding, they're going to be working on BC compatibility over time. I don't know if that means just for boost mode or just for what you can play in general. Um, it sounds like it's going to be an ongoing project. Um, I, I'm not sure. Um, Sony's always, and, and Mark Cerny also, have been very, very overly cautious when talking about hardware compatibility in the past. Um, and I, I think he was probably the wrong person to talk about this to a general crowd because, you know, he is very much, you know, architect, engineer. I'm not going to say something that isn't 100% correct. Um, cause like, if you remember with the PS4 Pro, it didn't even have a, the boost mode, uh, when it launched, which allowed for the higher clocks, um, to, you know, help improve PS4 games. Uh, that came several months later. Um, and, you know, even before launch, they were very like, oh, this will cause problems. And then it launched and I think one game had issues and then they patched it relatively quickly. Um, 
So I think it's hard to tell right now, and I think maybe Sony's not even sure because they're probably still in testing phase um, for it. So I think they're going to have to really clarify that. I, I think in the long run, it's going to end up being good news, but right now I think it's really poorly um, communicated, and I think they need to be more clear about it. Yeah, because Got like it. right now, if, if, you, if you don't mind, Zach, like right now, what's the, the best-case scenario, Justin, I think you would agree, is... Cerny could have just clarified, or they could have gotten someone on PlayStation Blog to clarify he was using the top 100 as an example. They're just going to have to patch a few games. That's the best case scenario. The worst case is he just meant the top 100. And just speaking as me, if that's the case, that's a problem. Yeah. Well, and also, like, testing the top 100 games could also mean, hey, we tested stuff that runs on the most commonly used game engines on PS4 and we found them all running well or something. So like it, it could mean a whole lot of things like, Oh, we tested Fortnite, which means, Hey, good. UE4 games work really well. Um, it could mean a whole lot of things. It's, it's really not clear. Um, I'm hoping they clarify it soon or at least, you know, sometime before launch, because like I said, I think in the long run, it's probably going to work better than their, preparing people for Sony chronically under promises yeah. of some of their some of their features. I, I think I think they're really, really afraid of they're really afraid of promising one hundred percent compatibility um unless they can absolutely guarantee it. Which I understand, but it's it's it makes it seem way worse than it is, especially uh in light of Microsoft's messaging on it. Alright, so I think at that point we are ready to kind of go into the uh, comparisons against the Xbox Series X. Obviously, we've talked about some differences between backwards compatibility and the SSD. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, a lot of people who are who are casual consumers just want to know which one is is the most powerful, and which one will get them the furthest, and uh, if it's not an objective thing, what they can kind of expect here. Um, Justin, what do you think? How how would you compare these on paper, and then what do you think we're actually going to see in the wild between Series X and PS5? So CPUs very similar. Um, the I the PS5 doesn't seem to have the two modes uh, that uh, Xbox Series X has, but I mean when it comes down to like the next gen only games, it's 3.5 gigahertz versus 3.66 gigahertz. Um, it's very similar, uh, which is like less than one percent difference or something like that. Um, uh, so it's very close, and that's a very good thing. That means developers can really target the CPU, um, really target multi-threaded applications. Um, that's going to be excellent. Um, I'm very glad that that spec is close between um, the systems. Um, and, I, and also, both systems are coming in with clock speeds higher than I expected on an excellent architecture. Um, so CPU, great news. GPU is probably a little bit lower uh, than I was expecting. Um, I mean, it's it's in the ballpark of what I was expecting. Microsoft went above and beyond there in terms of raw teraflops. Um, Mark Cerny did talk about how some uh, parts of performance are accelerated by having high clocks. So we'll have to see that pan out. Um, I could see a scenario where certain um, game engines maybe favor maybe do more techniques that favor high clocks versus more CUs and vice versa. Um, I do think we'll probably in generally see slightly lower resolutions on PS5. However, it's like something like 17% difference, which is like the closest Xbox and PlayStation have ever been. Um, and like, I've even talked about in the past, you know, how 1800p looks amazing on 4K screens. Even dropping down to 1800p would be overkill for this power difference. Um, and with like dynamic resolution, um, reconstruction techniques and stuff, I think um, they could probably cover it pretty well. Um, however, I do think if you really want a 4K experience, probably the Series X is going to deliver that more often. Um, on the RAM side of things, it's hard to compare because there are the two different speeds on Series X. Um, with PS5 speed being basically right in the middle of those two speeds. Um, so again, that's a scenario that, you know, I could see some engines or some uh, developers favoring one over the other. Um, and the SSD is mind-blowingly fast. Uh, yeah. Basically about what the Series X SSD is is what I was expecting. 
and this SSD just blows it out of the water. So, like, I mean, I how well that'll, you know, show up in games and to the average consumer, I can't, I don't know. Um, I'm not a developer. That's something that developers are really going to have to talk about. And if Sony believes it's a significant advantage, they're going to have to show. Um, but I, I would even, if you don't mind, Justin, argue that that is going to be a developer per developer case. Apart from Sony's yes. first party, obviously. It's going to depend on how Oh, yeah. Much... Sony first party is going to put that thing to work. Right, right. That, um, go- that goes without saying, obviously. But even third party, it's going to be a, a toss a stone, toss a coin up in the air. And who yeah. knows what well, and I, I actually think it's worth saying that even even with Microsoft's SSD being uh, like less than half as, as fast as the PS5s, I actually think even even more so third-party games aren't going to be hamstrung by the uh, the SSD on the Xbox Series X. They're going to be hamstrung by PC, yes, right? Yes, exactly. Yes. 100%. Yep. Because the Series X SSD, like we said before, is still cutting-edge tech well above even your average PC. Like, my PC has a great SSD in it. It doesn't come close to the Series X SSD, much less the PS5s. And the the other thing that's interesting about that is Microsoft's games also have to support PC. So um, even Microsoft's own games might not even be able to take as close of an advantage of it. Right. I I think um, this is definitely speculation, but my guess there is that once we see the one-year cross-gen period end, we're going to start seeing Microsoft heavily recommend games using ssd that's just my, I, that's I, just my guess i think just in general i think developers are going to move to to it because i think it has too many benefits and also a lot of pcs come with ssds now and right. probably like i said probably after that one year period we're going to be able to get very fast ssds at decent prices um so i don't think that's going to be a massively like ridiculous requirement but overall, um, I was quite pleased with it. Uh, CPU and SSD are great. Uh, RAM is probably about what I expected. Um, GPU could have been a little higher, but again, um, with some of the stuff Mark Cerny talked about, um, I'm interested to see how it pans out in games. And like I said, still, these two consoles are still pretty close to each other, um, it, which makes me very happy. You're like, not getting a bad experience on either one. No, you're just uh, not. this is no. this is nothing like the differences we've seen this gen. Um, but so I wanted to, I kind of wanted to ask you guys that though, because you know one of the things that a lot of people know this generation is that the Xbox One that launched in 2013 punched in about 1.2 teraflops. Uh, the the original PS4 launched at 1.8 teraflops. Uh, obviously, early in the gen, we saw huge differences between them, right? Like, one was a clear 1080p machine, one was a 720p, maybe 900p machine. That was a huge difference back in the day. Um, and that was a 0.6 difference in teraflops. Why now, three times as many, you know, as much points and the, the numbers here are weird. It feels like there's a, there's a big difference between Xbox Series X 12.155 and the 10.28 Sony's punching in. Why is that number, even though it's gotten bigger, the, the difference between them, the, the actual difference in performance has gotten less? Why has why that happened? Well, it's sort of like, how do I put this? I'm trying to think of a good uh, engineering analogy. It's kind of like comparing a 10-foot tall house to a 6-foot tall house like a little hut, versus a 400-foot-tall skyscraper and a 440-foot-tall skyscraper. Justin, would you agree with that analogy? Yeah. Um, and uh, we we didn't mention, um, we went more into detail about architecturally um, what is going to make these GPUs really sing um, in the Series X um, talk from the other day. I don't want to reiterate it too much, but uh, AMD's RDNA 2 platform is really really impressive um and both are built on that which has a lot of stuff to say performance and things like that um but again like a 17 percent difference is not huge um when we're going from differences that are between 40 and 50 percent between consoles this generation um and also resolution differences when you're on a 4k screen dealing with uh, resolutions that are that high like if they're both pushing over 1800p I think a lot of people would probably be hard pressed to tell a difference um, well so so really quick though it, you were kind of saying earlier that the dif- like like the difference between uh, Series X and, and PS5 really isn't going you know this generation we saw a lot with, with uh, Xbox One X hitting 4k 
and then we were seeing checkerboarding or 1800p on the on the PS4 Pro. Next gen, you said you probably won't see that much in terms of like actual resolution being different. What kind of benefits are we going to get from Xbox then if uh, they're both both able to easily hit 4K? If you Sam, one thing I think is you'll probably see developers going uh, very extra, especially early on, and especially in the first couple of years, while you know developers are getting used to the new hardware, they haven't figured out all the nitty gritty details of the SSD and uh, and there's honestly still questions I have about the theoretical power of the PS5, considering that the 10.28 and the 3.5 figure for the GPU and the uh, CPU are the theoretical max, and it could go a little lower. Those kinds of things are going to play in. So I think what you just see is games running at the same resolution and frame rate, but maybe developers go nuts with the post-processing on the Series X. Or, you know, there's more particle effects for explosions or things like that. Just like an artist adding extra little flourishes because he has a little bit of extra You're going to get a little more juice is what you're saying. Exactly. You might get a little I more don't juice. think in terms of resolution... But both are going to be great. Resolution and frame rate, just I don't know if you feel differently, I think both are going to deliver on that front basically flawlessly. Absolutely. Um, and like also, like there's... I, I have predicted for a long time that... Um, I, I use this game as reference for a lot of things in the last episode, too, but uh, the new Modern Warfare is using a combination of dynamic resolution, temporal reconstruction, and variable rate shading. Um, granted, it's using software-based versions of all those things, so it's not as complex as what we're going to see next-gen and not as effective. But I think if games are doing all of those things at once, I think... Like, it's going to be really hard to tell any differences between the two in actual gameplay. Um, and I think I think we can really expect both systems to provide a really good experience, um, which I'm super happy about. Uh, you know, I play a lot of multiplayer games more with people on Xbox than I do um, on PlayStation. Um, and, you know, it, it's kind of nice being able to be like, oh, I can just buy the game where I want it, and I don't feel like I'm getting, you know... A horrible experience now if you are very concerned about you know this sort of stuff i do think the series x is probably going to punch a little higher but um i don't think anybody that wants to get a playstation is going to feel uh, we're not getting anything like some of the ps3 ports or anything like that um i think both are going to be very capable gotcha all right so i think sam unless you have anything else i think we're ready to kind of start talking about the presentation as a whole uh, and in our kind of, you know, more subjective impressions. You guys ready for that? Yep. All right. So I'll, I'll start. So first of all, we're dealing with a presentation that was slated for GDC, uh, which was obviously canceled due to the pandemic. Um, and they didn't adapt their plan. And I get that. Uh, but also it led to a very, very dry first impression of what the PS5 was capable of. And to me that was frustrating because... Like you guys have like we've been saying for the last 45 minutes, the PS5 is not a weak console. Just because on paper the, the Xbox Series X is going to be punching a little bit harder doesn't mean that the PS5 isn't going to punch pretty fucking hard. Um, and I think the frustrating thing is that when you don't come out and show a game or show a tech demo that's showing all the capabilities from your pieces of hardware, you end up just looking like you, you don't have anything to show for the fact that you're, you had a, you're at a deficit on power. Um, and so what we ended up getting was a dry, very dev-focused talk that is kind of a rough impression for, for consumers. That's my take. Justin, do you have a more, a more level-headed take than me? No, I agree. I mean, I enjoyed it. I like listening to Mark Cerny speak. I really like how yeah. he talks. I really like how he talks about his hardware philosophy. Um, I like the dev-focused approach that he has taken um, in the systems he's, he's been the architect for. Um, however, just with the silence that Sony has had and the way that, especially in the wake of how Microsoft has presented their information, I think they could have done a better job. Um, even if they had said, hey, this is going to be a tech-focused talk, but we're going to also talk about like features in games at this date or something, I think it would have gone over better. But now we're kind of just back to guessing when they're going to talk again. And, you know, this presentation was you know they tweeted about it on the official playstation twitter talked about it on the place it was posted on the playstation blog which seems like a very consumer facing presentation which this wasn't um so like i don't think the presentation was bad but i do think it was 
kind of miscalculated for the audience that ended up watching. Right. It, it was a read-the-room scenario. Yeah. Sam, is that kind of how you feel, too? Perhaps a little more strongly than Justin does, but yes, very much a read-the-room. I understand and respect, and I'm sorry for the fact that GDC 2020 got postponed. I'm putting air quotes in there. Really, it was canceled. But the problem is, you have to adjust for that. Microsoft has a ton of talks, including some next-gen material and some stuff about Project X Cloud and important updates there. They just moved them over and said, hey, we're hosting online presentations. It would have been far better, far better in my opinion, for Sony to say, hey, we're doing a next-gen presentation on the build for the PS5 and what we want developers to focus on, what we think they'll like. We're also going to be dropping the official specs. You build hype. Yep. Your, their audience is hungry. The, P, the PS5 crowd is more ravenous. The PlayStation audience is more ravenous than I've ever seen them. Uh, before in years past so it would build up just as much if not more hype than what they already did and you wouldn't be annoying people also we know that load time comparison demos exist uh, an early one on a low power dev kit happened uh last year i think not april but was it like maybe august or september justin i think it was like met i think it was a i think it was um it was shortly after that wired presentation it was shortly after the first wired article so the point is we know it exists Microsoft, as part of their Xbox Series X information rollout just a couple of days ago, released a load time comparison for a completely unoptimized game that wasn't built to take advantage of the SSD, just directly ported over. Why couldn't Sony do the same thing? That would take a few minutes well, to put together. And see, and this max. is this is that's how I feel too. Which is like Microsoft had already shown their hand. First of all, Sony announced this a day after Microsoft had their big blowout. Sony didn't have to go this week. I think it would have, honestly, like, I think a good thing that would have worked in Sony's favor is to take a third-party game uh, that's current-gen and have it running on a SSD that's clocked at Microsoft's speed and then what theirs is going to be. And just, like, you don't even have to say, like, oh, this is what the X, like, just have the number, just the raw number of speed of what the SSD is. And then, like, I think that would show, like, show that speed difference. Um, obviously, if we're going to end up looking at, like, the difference between 5 seconds and 10 seconds, it's not going to really illustrate your point as well as you want because... I think this SSD is a lot better for developers than consumers, but, you know, it's one of those things where I'm happy Sony finally broke their silence, but I wish that they had a little bit more more for, for people like me and a little bit less for people who are in, into the weeds, or at least a little bit, you know, why can't we all eat, you know? Yeah, I, I think they also probably should have emphasized, like, the title of this is The Road to PS5, which I think which is really... It sounds consumers. Yeah, which I think is really important for like saying, hey, this is the start of things, but yeah. they didn't emphasize that enough. They made it seem like this was the the big one, um, and I think that was kind of a misstep. Hmm. Sam, do you have any other things on that? The building on this because I know we mentioned this before, but it's part of the back. It's part of the discussion for presentation, the backward compatibility thing. Like Sony, if you're listening, you got to clean. You got to clean that up. You've got to clear it up ASAP because we're already seeing headlines. We're already seeing people run with the idea that, okay, it's taken for a fact only 100 games or so will be backward compatible. That's going to spread. And how, how do I put this very, very gently? Sony needs to be more in tune overall with what its audience wants to hear. That doesn't mean they're always going to get to hear what they want to hear, but right now it feels like Sony is, for better and for worse, marching to the beat of its own drum and insisting on this one straightforward path ahead like nothing has changed, even though things have changed. Perhaps a little harsh, but that's kind of how I feel right now. And only more so after what happened today. I mean, it, it makes sense. You know, when you say the path ahead... Justin, it makes me think, uh, do you think the next time we hear from them, is there, there, I mean, Sony's obviously not doing E3, E3 is canceled, is the next time we hear from them, their E3 equivalent, or do you think we'll hear from them in four weeks? I, I don't know, I, like I said the other day, I cannot predict what Sony's marketing is doing, I hope they Fair do enough. at least some drip feed of features and stuff, and maybe clear up, like, the backwards compatibility things um i think those are things that they can do easily in the meantime i don't right. think we'll see any games until they do like a big presentation on ps5 games um and that i have no idea when it could be um 
you know, like I said the other day, they still have Final Fantasy VII Remake, Last of Us Part Two, and Ghost of Tsushima coming for PS4. Um, currently slated for the first half of the year, but I wouldn't be surprised if a couple of those slip um, <laughs> due, due to Corona and everything. But, um, so, like I said, they're in a weird place with that, but I hope they at least start, like, a drip feed of information. Be like, um, you know, maybe, like, hey, in a couple weeks, check out the controller and the new features, and, hey, in a couple weeks, here's the box, and we're gonna do the teardown, like Cerny mentioned. Like, I I think that would be nice. Um, Keep leaning on Wired, yeah. I don't mean that in a pejorative. I mean oh. sincerely. To keep leaning on wired. No, I, I I don't mean it in a dickish way. Like I yeah. think the wired the wired stuff worked. It, I mean, Sony went like eight months without talking to us about the PS5, and they showed us a fucking logo, and we were fine with it. Which means that the wired stuff was like genuinely a good way to reach their audience. Yeah, yeah. I hope they keep doing that. <sighs> okay. Boys, do you have anything else before we close out? Do we have any other... You know, the other day we made some predictions about what we think the Xbox uh, Series X will cost. I think I want us to do that one more time, just because we have a little bit more information. Do we think... What do we think the Xbox Series X will launch as compared to the PS4... Uh, or, I'm sorry, the PS5? Um, same price, different price. I, I just want to hear um, what you think. Justin, do you have any ideas? I know it's hard to speculate now. I, I think they're still going to be very close in price. Um, even with, you know, the smaller chip that the PS5 is going to have because they have to have the extra cooling and the SSD is heavily custom with a lot of custom silicon in there as well as that Tempest engine for 3D audio. Those things are all custom silicon that is probably not going to be cheap. Um, So I think they're probably going to cost very similar unless Sony decides to take a decent loss on the console. Um, kind of that Bloomberg article made me think that they were targeting 399, but it sounds like that's not going to happen. Um, because that Bloomberg article talked about how price, the bill of materials is higher than they expected, and it's over $400. It's about $430, um, according to that article, which, um, you know, they could, it's kind of like on the borderline for taking a loss. Um, and, you know, making it up with games and PS plus sales and stuff. So we'll see how it pans out. I think the most likely scenario is that they're very similar in price. Got it. Sam, where do you come in on that? Yep. They'll both be 500. I realized that they both might, 500. Yeah, they're, they're saving some money because the GPU and uh, might not be quite pushing it as hard. The CPU is borderline identical. So that's going to basically be the same. But the cooling, like uh, Justin mentioned, we know from the Bloomberg report, they're spending way more on cooling this time around. Thank God they learned. That's a good thing. And then the SSD. The SSD in particular is going to drive the price of this thing way, way up. I think there's just no way you don't do 500 To do 400 they could, but they would be taking massive losses. And let's remember what happened the last time Sony took massive losses on a console at launch. Granted, they're not going to be taking a two hundred and fifty dollar loss no, per console no, but, this time. But it wouldn't be a thirty or forty dollar <laughs> loss either. It would still be no, no, low, yeah, you're, very you're right. low triple digits. And I just don't think, after being back in the healthy black for so long, I don't think that's something Sony is willing to risk. Nor should they go five hundred, especially I, especially oh, given ahead, the Justin. shape the economy is probably going to be in this fall. Yes, especially these are very much both going to be elite high end consumer items. For, for this fall. You guys, so so here's, first I'll say my what I officially think. I still think 450, PS5, 500, Xbox Series X, at a minimum. Is there, let, let me throw out a, a, a chaos scenario. <laughs> Is there any world in which the Series X manages to ship cheaper than the PS5 because it does not have that SSD? No. I, I think, doubt it. I, I struggle I think, to believe that. Microsoft, I mean, the build on the Series X is going to be very expensive. <laughs> like, that that configuration, I think, is going to cost a lot. And, and Microsoft also tends to use more expensive materials um, on top of the fact that they do have a 52 CU GPU versus a 36 GPU uh, CU GPU, which means it's going to be a much bigger chip. I think, I think that stuff will add up. But... Um, 
no, I, I don't think we're going to be seeing a scenario where Series X is I, cheaper. I just needed to throw out a chaos scenario. Well, well, okay. I, you know, if we do, it will be chaos. So well named. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> also, yeah. If, if we do, Phil just decided that they're going to take a huge loss to get. Phil is personally passes. paying for the <laughs> fifth year. Yeah. Phil's Losses, personally yeah. like giving like giving you a loan for each Series X that you buy. You have to go to one specific oh Microsoft God. store for the launch, and he literally hands you a hundred dollar bill as you walk in. <laughs> he sobs as the line gets longer. <laughs> yeah. But, okay. Um, all right. So all right. All right. That I can. Yeah, of course. So we've got two pieces of the next-gen puzzle now. One to go. Yeah. Oh, you mean the Nintendo Switch, right? <laughs> no. Um, I, I, oh. I'm referring to uh, Lockhart, which will probably be called Series S. It'll be. We talk about price. It's going to be very interesting to see how that fits into the overall puzzle. Yeah, and I th- honestly, I think that more than anything is why Microsoft would never take... I mean, yes, 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 the, the Series X is an expensive console to build, but also, if you're trying to launch a lower-end SKU, it's going to be hard to sell it if you're already cheaper than your competition. So, yeah, I mean, the Series the Series S will be interesting. I think the Series S is actually going to be a harder console to sell now because it will ha- probably have a similar SSD, if not a little bit worse, than the Series X. Uh, and so, I don't know. I think it's gonna have a harder time to have a, a weaker a weaker SS like it's cheaper. That that will be the only thing in there. Um, uh, that that will be the feather in its cap. Right? A weird scenario I could see happening with the Series S is that it and it ends up with a weird like three tier pricing thing between Series X, S, PS5, Series X, um, and I think the difference between the price between Series S and PS5 would be extremely important in that scenario because ps5 is from kind based off of the rumors ps5 is still more than twice the gpu of the series s um and if that's within a hundred bucks i think i think that's that's going to be a tough sell for the series s i think it it needs to be it needs to be one sorry 150 you need a 150 difference to make it yeah 125 minimum yeah it needs it needs to be yes like i think i think i think series s is doa uh if it does not ship uh at 300 right yeah i think i think if it's more than 299 it's no one's gonna care the the only way that could work is if the ps5 is 500 and then maybe it gets away with 350 maybe but i think you're pushing your luck there i think 300 is the sweet spot for sure yeah hmm all right boys i think that should do it for us is that right yeah i just have one um one comment of something i've been thinking of today that uh so one thing i was actually kind of happy about with this presentation is it seems like from an architectural design and from a goals standpoint xbox and ps5 are a bit more different than i expected um i mean on the on paper specs aren't vastly different but it seems like their core goals are a bit um more divergent than i expected um which is cool because then we see some interesting stuff with um both exclusive games and third-party games and it kind of makes them both more desirable, I think, when they're not just, hey, this is the same thing, but with a slightly slower GPU kind um, situation. So I think that's neat, and I'm, I'm really interested to hear what developers think of both systems and see what kind of games we get on them. Yeah, and absolutely, Justin, because at the end of the day, we love tech. We're happy to talk about tech, but let's remember, it is about games and I think I feel comfortable saying I've never seen Microsoft or Sony's first party in a better overall position. Yeah. It, it's at least the best position Microsoft has been in in the last, at least since, the three, since like mid-360 era. I would, yeah. I would actually. At least a decade. I would say ever, but we'll see. We'll Fair see. enough. Yeah. All right, boys. Well, I think that will do it for us. Thanks again for everybody who's made it into this this very long week we've had already. Uh Really appreciate you guys coming in and listening and ho- uh, hearing us unpack the PS5 and comparing it to the Series S. Uh, you know, it's it's been a stressful week, and I honestly, I'm really thankful that both Sony and Microsoft could give us a little bit of a distraction. It's It's been tough. Um, of course, Justin, I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much, buddy. Anytime. And remind people if they don't know and they're not already following you on Twitter where they can find you. 
um, at RoboPlato on Twitter. Gotcha. And then Sam Tolbert, uh, where, where can people find you on Twitter? And also, where can they read your work, man? Uh, yes, yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Samuel Tolbert, T-O-L-B-E-R-T. And then you can find what I write on Windows Central. Awesome. All right, thanks again, both of you. And thank you, listeners, for making it all the way through this episode. Uh, take care of each other. Do what you can. Stay safe. Stay inside. Uh, of course, you can catch all things SCGC. Uh, by following us on Twitter at OfficialSCGC. You can catch our live shows Thursdays uh, at 9 p.m. Eastern Time at twitch.tv slash OfficialSCGC. Uh, we also have after-hours content uh, on every podcast platform that you listen to. And, of course, lastly, we have a Patreon, uh, single tier, uh, whatever you want to share with us. Uh, we, we greatly appreciate it. helps us upgrade our equipment. And then once once the pandemic has settled down, it also helps us afford being able to travel to conventions and bring you uh, live coverage and that sort of thing. If you check out our YouTube channel, we have a bunch of interviews from PAX East um, up there. Uh, we, we had a really good time. Well, at until I got deathly ill, I had a really good time. But uh, that's the sort of stuff that we get to do um, because of your support, and we really appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Take care of each other. Stay hydrated. <sighs> do we have anything about The Witcher you want to say, Sam? Oh, wait. Actually, there is. John, own up on your bed, you coward. Come on. <laughs>